We're in a series called Go Eat Popcorn. This is all about uh, looking at Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. That's what that uh, title denotes. And, you know, we're going and digging into these letters, these books, because Paul gives us so many foundational truths for experiencing this life. And, and my heart is that, that you would take these in because it changes the way that we live this entire thing. And in, in Ephesians now, as we, we move into chapter 3, a lot of what's going on in Ephesians is Paul's talking about our identity. Our identity as um, individuals in Christ, our identity uh, corporately as the church. And, and so because of that, there's a lot of things going on. And last week I talked about the fact that we're the portable presence of God. And, and yet, as we begin to live this out... Uh, in a broken world, you know, a fallen world, broken planet, we're going to encounter some difficulties along the way. There'll be some pushback from the enemy because the world's a mess. Things will happen. And Paul wants to help us navigate those situations in our lives when we're when we're facing attack, when we're facing difficulties, when we're facing, you know, hard times, um, interactions with people that aren't going the way we want. Paul wants us to be able to deal with that. And so that's what he's doing in Ephesians three. So that's the intro, transition time, bad joke or two. These were very bad, and I'm very pleased with them. I try to tell everyone the benefits of eating dried grapes. I'm all about raising awareness. It's a classic. So, so somebody gave me a joke calendar. It's a bad joke calendar. This, this year at Christmas, and every day I peel off, and there's a new bad joke. Some of them are really bad, and, and I'm sometimes embarrassed that they make me laugh, like this one. How do you make a Swiss roll? Push him down the mountain. That's just wrong in every way. And I was kind of shocked at myself for laughing. I, I don't know much about the Swiss or uh, Switzerland, but the flag is a giant plus. That wasn't in the calendar, but I tossed that one in there for your enjoyment. Last one. This wasn't on the calendar. What was Ludwig von Beethoven's favorite fruit? Banana. Not bad. Scripture reading here on purpose. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derive its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations for and ever and ever. Amen. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So this is a prayer that Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And, and he's praying for them because they're going through a situation. So let's sort of set the foundation for this situation. Now, when you're reading these letters uh, about uh, that Paul wrote to the early church, when you want context, you can often go into the book of Acts and find out how and what was going on. And so Acts chapter 19 gives us some information about Ephesus and what's going on there. And Paul, when he would go into a 
town, he would always go uh, into the synagogue and begin to preach there. And he would preach to the Jewish people that were there, and he would also preach there to the God-fearers. That would be Gentiles who had permission to be in a sort of back part of the synagogue. He would begin to preach. Um, Invariably, what would happen at every place, there would be some that would agree with him and some that didn't, and eventually they would ask him to leave, sometimes much more forcefully than that. And... uh, he would then leave with whatever wanted to go with him, and he would go somewhere else in that town and, and in effect, start what would become the church. That happens in Acts 19, 8 through 10. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So significant deal is going on. Um, Paul is preaching day after day for two years in a way that everybody in Ephesus hears um, the word of the Lord. So Ephesus was a city that was um, very involved in... Religion. And when I use that term religion, that's not always a good term. All right. In fact, most of the time it's not. And so they had a lot of false gods that they worshipped. And so there was these false gods everywhere. They had a god for everything, for agriculture and and for weather and, you know, you name it. There was a, a god for it. And the way that they operated was they figured if you could figure out how to please that god of whatever it was you needed, then they should take care of you in the process. So that's their mindset. Paul comes in. However, and he preaches the gospel and he says, no, that's not true. There's one God. He's bigger than all your false gods and you need to put your trust in him. And some people believe and that's how the church gets started. And they they respond um, by not only confessing and uh, their sin and coming to faith in Christ, but by burning the, the old messy stuff that they had and trying to get their little false gods to do things. Acts 19, 18 through 20. Many of those who believe. Now came and openly confessed their evil deeds, and a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So Paul has a great impact there, and, and these people are evidencing their response by burning this stuff that they used to follow. Uh, and then eventually Paul leaves, uh, and he continues on his missionary journey, and then During this journey, he gets thrown in prison, Paul does, and the Ephesians hear about it, and it causes them to begin to doubt who God really is. Because what they bring with them, and all of us do this, when we, when we first come to Christ, we bring a lot of our old stuff with us. Uh, and, and then the Spirit of God begins to renew us over time and teach us what's right and what's not. But when we first come into this, and, and through a series of time, we have a certain way of thinking things. Well, still, their thinking still was that if they did what was right, and they were doing what they were supposed to do for the big G God, then he should be taking care of them and no bad things should happen. So when Paul ends up in prison, they're like, whoa. You talk about this God who loves and has all this great power. How in the world are you in prison? And Paul has to speak back to them to deal with that so that they know that there's, there's a bigger picture going on and so they can relate to that. So he starts by this. Point number one, don't be discouraged. This is what he's telling them in this prayer. He says, listen, don't be discouraged. Verse 13, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Now, I would tell you, think about this. We tend to get discouraged when we feel like God is not holding up his end of the deal. 
That's as honest as I know how to be. We'll get discouraged if we, we think we can't have, we, we think if we're doing what we're supposed to do, he should be doing what he's supposed to do. And when we don't feel like that's going on, we have a tendency to get discouraged. God, if you really love me and you're all powerful and all knowing, why in the world is this happening? So Paul speaks into this and says, listen, I don't want you to lose heart because Paul's able to see that there's a bigger picture going on than what's happening in his own life, that he's part of a bigger story. And, and this is something I tell you about all the time, and I want you to hear it. This is his story. The, the Bible from cover to cover is his story. Everything that's happening is his story. He invites us into his story, and he weaves us into his story, which is amazing. All of the good stuff and all of the hard stuff and all the things we don't even understand, he weaves into his story, and we need to know that's what's taking place, and Paul got that. So Paul's able to say, yeah, I'm in prison, but, but listen, God's got a plan through all this, and it's bigger than my own little thing that's happening and we're always struggling with getting ourselves in the center of the story and there's no life there you don't want to be there because then everything takes on this whole other you know terrible spin but when you know that you're in his story and he's got you and this is his story he has a way then of settling us so we can experience life the way he intended it so he says listen don't be discouraged and you need to know a couple of things that i don't think you know very well that's what paul says you need to know more about the power of god and the love of God, and what they really mean. So the second thing he talks about to them is the power of God. That's point number two. Ephesians three fourteen and 16, he begins this prayer. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derive his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. He wants us to be strengthened with Power. The word there is dunamis in the Greek, which actually means dynamite. It's a capable power. So, uh, most of you guys would be familiar with superheroes, right? Going, going non-biblical for a moment. Don't make theology out of this. And uh, so, like, there's Superman, and Superman probably has the best of the superpowers. But one of the biggest one probably is he can fly. That's a big deal. Batman, Batman's superpower is that he's rich. All right. That, when you, that's what he's got. He can't fly. The flash, the flash is really fast, but he can't fly. But so their, their powers are limited to what they can do in the process. Well, what, what I want you to take from that is this. I, I, Paul's saying, I want you to be strengthened with a power that's capable of doing something that's really amazing. And, and that's what he's talking about when we get to point three. And he wants to talk now about the love of Christ. Now, listen to the prayer, Ephesians 3. 17 through 19, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He says, what I want you to have is a power to know the love of Christ. That that's a big part of the power that you need to know, to know the love of Christ. And this is important because we tend to evaluate love based on our feelings. See, and so we, we, that's part of all of us who do, you know, we do that. If, if we sort of feel like everything's good, you know, then it's good. But if it's not feeling quite right, then we begin to question, well, does God really love us? Or, or you know, or, or in my relationships, it's because it's not feeling 
right. But Paul wants them to know a love that goes beyond that, that goes outside of that, that's bigger than that. And so he's praying for them. He says, what you need to do is you need to understand how amazing God's love is for you. Alice and I were watching one of those movies, the Superman movies. It was a while ago. And uh, speaking of superheroes, I'm on, I'm on target. And uh, when we watch a movie, we have the captions on. Um, a couple of reasons. One, you know, we made a decision we wanted to read more this year. And uh, secondly, if we don't have the captions on, we spend most of the movie looking at each other and saying, what they say? You know, 90% of marriage is shouting what from another room. Did you know that? When you get older anyway. What? What? Anyway, this movie, Lois Lane, Lois Lane. So here's the thing about Lois Lane, Superman's girlfriend. Um, She was in this movie several times. She was in these ridiculously bad situations, and yet she didn't seem very anxious. And the reason was that she was at at this spot where she goes, you don't know my boyfriend. My boyfriend's Superman, and he's going to get me out of this situation. And if he doesn't come and get me out of it, he can just fly around the world real fast and reverse time and get me out of it anyway. So I'm not worried about it. Listen, as believers, what we need to know is who our Papa is and how much he loves us and how powerful he is so that no matter what the situation, he's got us. And we can begin to relax in it. We don't have to get anxious about it. See, he's got us, and that's huge. And that's what Paul wants us to understand. In the big things and the small things. I went to Chicago this week at a Vineyard Leaders meeting. And, uh, and so I flew up on Monday. The meeting was Monday night, all day Tuesday. Now, um, you have to know, I, I live in the Keys, A, because God has me here. B, because I don't like cold. And... Um, And it was funny in the staff meeting. I was whining some about having to go to Chicago to this meeting. And they were like, should we pray for snow? And I'm like, you know, I'm a little funny about that because I don't want to get snowed in. So (laughs) let's not. But I went there on Monday. Monday, this is funny. Monday was the um, coldest March 4th ever recorded in Chicago. (laughs) Happy to be a part of history. I'm complaining the whole time, right? And I'm thinking, God, it's so cold. But I go to the meeting. The meeting's good. A vineyard leaders meeting. It's really good about what's happening in the States and then, and then you know, around the world. And the very good. But uh, you'll like how I did this. So I just have a little bag. It's not very long. I don't need much. And no, I don't wear shorts in Chicago in March, okay? <laughs> just to answer the next question, no. And, and in fact, little tiny suitcase, half of it was coats, all right? Because I'm, I'm prepared. So I go up and, and yet, this is, see, this is the goodness of God, how he's got me in all these situations. So I get off the plane and, uh, and I get to where I know I've got to meet the Uber that I've called for and I'm watching how long it's going to take. And, and, and so I start to get these layers of clothes on. I got, the, I got a sweatshirt with a hood on and then I put a scarf on that my wife made me uh, when we went to Alaska at some point in time. And I got that out and I got it over so just my eyes are showing. And then another coat and I've got it zipped and another hood. And... Uh, I'm out there for maybe two minutes trying to just get in the car. Oh, it was so cold. It was I was like, oh, this is not good. And then the, the car's nice and heated. We go to the hotel. Um, I, I pop out, go into the lobby. So maybe five seconds of cold there. Um, so then I'm there Monday afternoon. I don't go near the front doors of the hotel until I got to leave Wednesday morning. If it's cold, just anywhere in the vicinity. I'm like, I'm not going out there for any reason. So uh, 
Stayed in the hotel, did all the meetings. They were all right there. Wednesday morning, the cab comes and gets me. I wait until I see him get out of his vehicle to come get my bag. I jump into his car, and then at the airport, five seconds, and I'm in again. So my total exposure maybe was three minutes to the cold. <laughs> I could have gone without a coat. I would have been fine. So... But, you know, I say all that to say that God knows that I sort of don't really like cold. That's so he had my back on that situation. I was ready in case I had to go out in the cold for something, but he's got me. See, God loves us, and he gets us through little things, big things, even the hard stuff that we don't want to go through. If we trust him, he's got us, and that's really what Paul wants us to know, that, that we can trust him because of this amazing love that he has for us. And with that, point four, God is able. God is able. This is a big deal. Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is worked within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Listen, God is able. Don't limit God based on your conceptions on what you think that God can do and can't do. Because, see, God can always do more than we ask or imagine or think. And we have to understand that's who our God is. He is able. And because he's weaving our story into his, we can sort of rest in the fact that he's got us now and forever. He's always got us, even in the difficult stuff that we're going through. And so if persecution comes or we're dealing with hardships or sadness or loss, I get those things. Still, we can know deep down that he's got us and he can use things in ways we can't even imagine. So let me take the last few minutes that I have. And, and I want to talk to you about somebody in the Bible. And if you've been with me this series, I, I keep going back and I'm trying to tie everything into the thread of redemption that exists in the scripture back from Genesis 3.15 to the cross. And so we're, we're weaving back and looking at the story. That's because I want you to know you're a part of this amazing story and how amazing this story is. So we're taking some time and going back. And so, you know, we've talked about creation. And last week I popped back into the Exodus story for a little bit and the creation. Well, in, in that Exodus story, there's a very prominent character, and his name is Joseph. And uh, it's not Jesus' father, Joseph. It's uh, much, much way before that time. Joseph, it's, it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph is one of Jacob's sons. And Joseph, most of you heard about Joseph because there's a production of Joseph in the multicolored coat. Is that how it's called? Technicolored coat? Something, big coat. Coat, it's a coat thing. Anyway, so you, you know about the story. Well, Joseph... God uses Joseph, strategically places him in a place so that the threat of redemption exists. He's there to save the lives of many, and yet his life getting there was not good. And Joseph was a good dude. He, he was a person of integrity throughout his life, as recorded in the Scripture. But Joseph, um, he's, he's, so he's got lots of brothers, and he seems to be in the Scripture like a, a favored son. He's the, the father. His father really is pleased with him. And uh, he actually sends him to go and help his other brothers. His other brothers don't like him at all because of that situation and some dreams that Joseph has had. And so when they see him come in to help, they, they think to themselves, you know what, we should just kill him. Nice brothers, right? And most of them want to kill him, but there's one brother who says we can't kill him, so they throw him into a pit and try and figure out how they're going to kill him. Again, I'd be really happy with my brothers at that point, right? Sitting in the pit. And then uh, some Egyptian traders come by, and what they do is they decide to sell their brother into slavery, and so they do that. 
nice guys, and off he goes into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house there where he's a servant, and, uh, and yet he's, uh, he's, God's on him, and he's got great integrity, and he rises to the ranks, and he's over that whole household. He's, you know, everybody's working for him except for Potiphar himself, and uh, he's a very handsome uh, man, the Scripture says. And Potiphar's wife sort of has an eye for him, and she tries to seduce him often, and he's, he's never, you know, always, no, no, no. And then um, she grabs him at one point, and he actually rips himself out of his garment uh, to get away from her, and then she cases the garment and accuses him of rape, and he's thrown in prison. Again, he hadn't done anything wrong. Now he's in prison. Not a good situation. Sold into slavery. Now in prison. There in prison again, he rises through the ranks of, of the prison, and he, he's known for being able to interpret dreams, and he interpret dreams for a cupbearer and a baker. And when the cupbearer gets out, he's supposed to tell somebody, hey, you got Joseph in there, you need to let him out, and he forgets and he doesn't do it. Eventually, Pharaoh hears about him. Pharaoh needs a dream interpreted. Joseph goes to him, interprets his dream. And he is raised to number two in Egypt. And so he's there in place when um, the famine hits and he's there to help folks. And so even though Joseph goes through the ringer in his life, he's able to look back and say something significant in Genesis 50:20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God used it or meant it, used it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. See, Joseph can look back and see how God used all the events of his story and weaved it into the bigger picture. And we need to be able to do that. And the scripture is so amazing. His story is so amazing. So as I was reading about Joseph, you need to see how similar he is to somebody we all know, and that's Jesus. Look at this as you start to read through the story. Just like Jesus, Joseph is the object of his father's special love. Just like Jesus, Joseph had promises of divine exaltation. Just like Jesus, he was mocked by his family. Just like Jesus, he was sold for pieces of silver. When you read it, his brother Judah is the one who sold him for 20 pieces of silver. That name in the Greek, Judah, is Judas. Judas is the one who sells Jesus. 30 pieces of silver, let's attribute that to inflation. So, um, just like Jesus, Joseph was stripped of his robe. He was delivered up to the Gentiles. He was falsely accused. He was faithful amid temptation. He was thrown into prison. In the prison, that account is fascinating. So if you're, if you're looking now and you're, remember, I'm telling you, always look for Jesus in there. He's in prison with these two criminals. Um, one of them is the cupbearer and one is the baker. They come to him with dreams. He tells the cupbearer, you're going to be free from here in three days and restored to life. And he tells the other one, um, you're, you're going to be crucified. Do you remember the two criminals that he happens to be with on the cross? And one is going to be with him in paradise and one just stays there. One is saved and one is lost. Same thing happens back with Joseph. Um, Just like Jesus, he stood before rulers. Uh, Just like Jesus, he's exalted after and through humiliation. Here's a big deal. Just like Jesus, he gives hungry people bread. Do you know because of Joseph, there was grain for the entire world during this famine to stay alive? And Jesus is the bread of life who comes in order that we might partake of that bread. Same thing happening. Just like Jesus, he saves his rebellious brothers from death when they realize who he is. Just like Jesus. That's what he does for us. 
When we understand who he is and we come to him, he saves us and gives us life. And so, look, when you're reading the scripture, when you're reading the book and looking for Jesus, you need to see those things so that you understand the value of your story. Whatever it is, the good and the bad and the ugly and everything and how he can weave it into his and make something out of it so that you know that you're a part of this bigger picture. And that you know the love that he has for you, this amazing love that makes all the difference in our lives now and forever. So settle in that love and think about that this week. And we'll pick it up in Ephesians 4 next week. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall. People in the way of the wall are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, then make sure you get it. Let me pray for you as a group and we'll dismiss. We'll have breakfast. Thank you, Papa, for your amazing love for us. You are such an awesome God. Thank you for this life that you have for us, this adventure that you have us on. Let us know this amazing love, God, and rest in it. And I pray, Papa, that as we do, not only would we be changed, but it would change the world around us for you. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. And ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever's going on, they will pray for you. If you don't know Jesus... As your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that as well. It's a matter of humility and faith. And humility is just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. And then in faith, asking Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. If you've never prayed a simple prayer like that, do it today. If you need help, anybody over there will help you with that prayer. Just say, I want to know Jesus and know what you mean. So if you need prayer for that or anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided today. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible, draw people into the 11 o'clock service, God, so they can hear about your amazing love for them as well. Praise God from whom all blessings. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is there. Breakfast is in the back. If you're leaving, please drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Catch up on that hour that you lost. See you later. Bye.